Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Useless Information Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, and today we're going to dive into the fascinating world of the Mandela Effect. We're going to explore a little bit of its history, some of its origins, discuss some well-known examples, and examine the positives and negatives of the psychological phenomenon. So buckle up and let's go. But before we can get started, let's get a word from our sponsor. Do you like to read episodic fiction? If you do, welcome to the story of Tommy and Josie on Amazon's Kindle Vela. Tommy is somewhat lost after breaking up with Claire, but he meets Josie, a waitress at a local diner. Bonding over music and adventure, they connect intimately over a weekend. Their romance is fleeting, but they realize their connection transcends time and distance. Will their whirlwind romance become a lifetime of love, or fade away like a passing breeze? Written by HQ, The Weekend is a heartwarming tale that explores chance encounters and enduring love. Be swept away by the whirlwind romance of Tommy and Josie. Learn more at the HQ website at www.itc. This ad is sponsored by Sunray Multimedia. Okay, we're going to get into the history and the origins of the Mandela Effect. So the Mandela Effect is a term that's coined by a paranormal consultant by the name of Fiona Broom. And it was coined in 2010, and it was to describe a collective false memory when a large group of people remember an event or detail differently from the way it actually occurred. Now, the term itself came about because of a specific example involving the former South African president, Nelson Mandela. Now, many people, including Broom herself, had a distinct memory a distinct memory of Mandela dying in a prison in the 1980s. But when in reality, he was released from prison in 1990 and went on to become the president of South Africa. Ultimately, he passed away in 2013. Now, I don't have any real memories of him passing in the 1980s, but I do remember him being released. I'm on the other side of the camp where I remember him being released and he became the president of South Africa and then passing away about 10 years ago. So I do remember that. But the Mandela effect, it isn't just limited to, of course, this one example. It encompasses a wide range of false memories that are shared by multiple people. So how does this happen? Because there are certain things in these examples that I'm going to go through and I'm going to be like, I remember it this way versus another way. But one theory suggests that these collective false memories occur due to the way that our brains process and store information. Now, our memories are not perfect. They're not perfect recordings of events, but rather a reconstruction of each time we try to recall them. So we are reconstructing the memory every time we recall it, every time we bring it to the forefront, which sometimes can result in distortions or inaccuracies. I don't know. Not when everybody is remembering the same thing the same way. But another theory delves into the realm of paranormal with some proponents suggesting that the Mandela effect is evidence of alternate realities or parallel universes. 
while this explanation might be less grounded in scientific fact, it certainly adds on an intriguing element, of course, to the phenomena. I kind of really subscribe to that one where maybe parallel universes or alternate realities are colliding more so than we're all misremembering. I don't know about that one. So the parallel universe theory, as it relates to the Mandela effect, is an intriguing and speculative one, of course. It's a concept that suggests our collective false memories might be the result of an overlapping or intersecting alternate reality or realities. So proponents of this theory believe that when a large group of people share a false memory, it could be evidence that they are actually recalling events from a parallel universe where those events did happen. I would think that is a little bit more plausible than everybody just misremembering. I don't know. This is kind of, it's, it's weird in itself. So the idea of the parallel universe stems from the field of theoretical physics, specifically the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics. This is known as the MWI, many worlds interpretation. So the MWI, it hypothesizes that there are an infinite number of parallel universes with each one representing a different possible outcome of every event that has ever occurred, which means you exist on all these different parallel universes. There is a, another you or many you's. So this means that there could be countless alternate versions of our reality and each with its own unique set of circumstances, events, and details. But applying this concept to the Mandela effect, it is suggested that our memories might not be entirely false, but rather remnants of experiences from these alternate realities. And in this view, when we encounter a situation where a large group of people remember something differently from the way it actually happened. It could be because their memories are influenced by their experiences in a parallel universe where the misremembered event did take place. But it is important, it's very important to note now that the parallel universe theory, while it may be fascinating, is highly speculative and widely not accepted as a scientific explanation for the Mandela effect. Most experts, they attribute the phenomenon to psychological and cognitive factors rather than the influence of alternate universes or alternate reality. But nevertheless, the idea of parallel universes adds an intriguing layer, you all, of mystery and wonder to the Mandela effect. It sparks a lot of curiosity and debate about the nature of reality, of our reality, and the limits of the human perception. But in my opinion, we all just can't not just remember it in a different way. That's odd that millions of people would remember it one way versus another millions of people would remember it another way. How do you explain that? How is that explained? So let's just get into some examples. 
Now that we have like this bit, a little bit of background, let's look into some well-known examples of the Mandela effect. And remember that these are incidences where large groups of people remember something totally different from the way it actually happened. I happen to actually think it's the reverse, but anyway. So example one are the Bernstein bears. Oh my God, I grew up on the Bernstein bears with an E not an A, but many people remember this popular children's book series as the Bernstein Bears, B-E-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N, and not B-E-R-E-N-S-T-A-I-N, with an E, but the actual spelling is with an A, but this minor difference has left many of us baffled, many people baffled about the books and feeling a little bit disoriented and questioning their memories because I I remember it being an E. What did you remember it as? I remember it E. The next example is the location of New Zealand. Now I never had this situation. So some people remember New Zealand being located on the northeast of Australia when in fact it's actually to the southeast. And this could be due to simple geography misconceptions, but it's interesting to note that how many people share this false memory. I've always seen a map where it was on the Southeast. So I don't know about that one because I didn't really experience that one. Then there's the Monopoly Man. So the rich uncle Pennybags, he's the mascot of the popular board game Monopoly, but he's often remembered as wearing a monocle. I believe he wore a monocle. I remember him with the monocle. However, if you look at the actual character, he has never worn one. I don't know. I remember him with the monocle. It's possible that this false memory has been influenced by the character Mr. Peanut, but nope, who does wear a monocle, but nope. I remember that man, that Monopoly man with a monocle. How about you? The next example is the famous line from the, the movie Forrest Gump. Many people remember the line as, life is like a box of chocolates. That's what I remember. That's what he said. When the actual line is, life was like a box of chocolates. I remember, I mean, was versus is. The small change in tense completely alters the meaning of the quote, but the misremembered version has become ingrained in popular culture, which is true because everybody goes around saying life is like a box of chocolates. Who's going to be going around saying life was like a box of chocolates? That doesn't make any sense. Why would life was when when you think of it in the present tense of life is? Because when you look at the box of chocolates and you just don't know what you're going to get. Why would that be in the past tense? You already know what you got. Yeah, I don't know about that one. The next one, now this one, I clearly, I clearly remember because I have seen this movie a thousand and ten times. When in Star Wars, Luke, I am your father. This famous line from the movie Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, is often misquoted as Luke, I am your father. When in reality, the spoken line by Darth Vader 
is actually, no, I am your father. I swear to God, the line was Luke, I am your father. Because I remember us running around as kids and just being like, oh my God, Darth Vader is his father. And we would all say, yes, Luke, I am your father. I mean, how do people all of a sudden mistake the word Luke for the word no? Really? That doesn't even make sense to me. So the misquoted version has just become so ingrained in popular culture that many people are shocked to learn the real line is different. And if you go back and you watch the movie, then you'll catch it. But how can that many people actually think he said Luke? I remember, I remember clearly. How dare they? And then one of the last examples I have here is the logo of the car brand Ford. Many people remember the Ford logo as having a simple F with a straight horizontal line connecting the two vertical lines. However, the actual logo has a small curly loop on the F that extends from the top left portion of the vertical line and curls downwards. And this seemingly minor detail has caused confusion for many people as the memory of the simpler F is widespread and persistent. I would say I don't even remember either because I'm not into Ford, so I probably really didn't pay attention. But these are just a few examples of the Mandela effect in action. And there are countless other incidences of collective false memories, ranging from famous movie quotes to historical events. And you can do a search on that. But let's get into the negatives and positives, because as intriguing as the Mandela effect is, it's important to recognize that there are both positive and negative aspects to this phenomenon. On the negative side, the Mandela effect can contribute to the spread of misinformation as people share and perpetuate false memories. This can lead to confusion and even be harmful in certain situations, especially if the false memories involve important historical events or personal experiences. But another negative aspect of the Mandela effect is that it can cause people to question their own memories and doubt their own experiences. It's unsettling. It really is to realize that something that you believed in to be true for years may not have actually happened or happened in a different way than what you remember. And this can lead to feelings of disorientation. You feel kind of like disoriented or insecurity about your own mind and your perceptions. I swear, because that Bernstein versus Bernstein, yeah, that still trips me out to this day. But on the other hand, there are some positive aspects to the Mandela effect. For one, it serves as a fascinating reminder of our human memory and how it can fail us at times. It demonstrates that our memories are not infallible and that we are all susceptible to the same types of errors. And it can be humbling. It is a humbling realization, reminding us to be more understanding and forgiving of others when they make mistakes or recall events differently. It's also there's perception in there, how you see it, how you view it. But the Mandela effect, it just it has it sparked an interesting discussion 
and debate about the nature of our memories and the perception in our realities. But it encourages us, everybody, to just think critically about the world around us and question the reliability of our own minds and our own memories. And this type of intellectual curiosity It is a valuable trait as it pushes us to explore new ideas and seek a deeper understanding of ourselves in this world. But the Mandela effect also serves as a source of entertainment and bonding because when people discover that they share a collective false memory, quote unquote, false memory, it can create a sense of camaraderie and connection because we're bonding over this shared experience. But it can also be a fun way to engage in conversation and explore the quirks of the human mind, which is interesting because once again, how do so many people misremember? I can see if you're having a conversation with one person about something that happened in the past and you all have two different takes on that memory. Well, yes, that makes sense. But when you got millions of people, there's, there's some, they have to, Mm-mm. Come on now. Something is not all and up and up. We just have to remember that our minds are fragile. They are definitely fragile. But in addition to the information that I've already covered about this, there are a few more points that I want to discuss about the Mandela effect. One is the cognitive biases. The Mandela effect can be influenced by various cognitive biases that affect the way we perceive and remember information. For example, the confirmation bias, where people tend to search for and recall information that supports their pre-existing belief. That can play a role in perpetuating false memories. Similarly, the misinformation effect where people's memories can be altered or influenced by suggestive information can also contribute to the information of collective false memories. Then we have social influences. The way we remember events can be influenced by the people around us, which can lead to the Mandela effect. When people discuss their memories with others, they can inadvertently adopt the false memories of their conversation partners. This can be especially true in the age of social media, where false information can spread rapidly and reinforce existing false memories. We also have memory conformity also known as social contagion of memory. And this is when the memory conforms, when it occurs, when people, when their recollections of events become more similar to one another after discussing their memories. And this can contribute to the Mandela effect by making it more likely for people to adopt false memories if they are commonly shared with a group. Then you have distrust of official sources. In some cases, the Mandela effect can lead people to question the accuracy and reliability of official sources, such as news outlets, historical records, and expert opinions. While healthy skepticism is important, it's crucial to strike a balance between questioning authority and trusting credible sources in order to avoid falling into a rabbit hole of conspiracy theories and misunderstandings information. And now with the onset of AI, we have deep fakes and we have, what is it? The AI art and just things that are coming up that could lend to 
People say, no, I saw a picture of this, this, that, and the third, not realizing that it was AI generated and it didn't happen. So there's that to take consideration. But look, by understanding all these factors that can contribute to the Mandela effect, we can gain a more comprehensive view of the phenomenon and be better equipped to recognize and counteract the influence of false memories in our own lives. But, yep, I've covered it. That's all for today on this episode of Useless Information. I hope you enjoyed the exploration of the Mandela Effect and that it sparked your curiosity about the intricacies of the human memory. And remember, our memories are not always perfect, but that doesn't mean we can't learn from them and use them as a tool for personal growth and understanding. But if you're liking what you're hearing in the Useless Information Podcast, please take the time to hit that follow or subscribe button so you're kept up to date when I drop another episode. And if you like what you're hearing, do me a big favor. Go ahead, leave a review. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever other major podcast platform you're on. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, please like and subscribe. And don't forget to leave a comment because your follow, your subscription, and your review lets me know and lets the podcast folks know that, yeah, whatever Michelle is throwing down, I'm picking it up. There you go. But once again, thanks for joining me on this journey. And until next time for a more fascinating and seamless, useless information, I want to say I'm grateful for your listenership. And I thank you for being a part of the useless information crew today and always until next time, be well, stay safe and give love. This podcast has been produced by Sunray Multimedia and Michelle Carey. Music by CreatorMix.com. The YouTube audio library and editing by Descript.